Welcome to the Restore Church Sermons podcast. We're so glad you joined us here today. We hope that through this message, you are encouraged, challenged, and strengthened. If you want to know more about Jesus, Restore Church, or have any questions, please head to restorechurch.com.au. Good morning, everyone. How are you going? Good to see you, and a special hi to everyone who's joining us online for our first ever live stream service. It reminds me a bit of uh, when we church planted, being in big halls with sparsely populated chairs. So I've done this kind of thing before. And uh, welcome to our new temporary reality as well. And I say temporary because um, I'm hopeful and, and praying that pretty soon we'll all be able to be back together like we used to. Um, and be able to sing. I don't know about you, even though I had a face mask on, I was still tempted to sing during that set, yeah? Yeah, I think you can... Anyway, I won't break the law, so anyway. (laughs) This morning I want to talk about the idea that the thing is not the only thing. Sounds ambiguous, but let me explain. Who loves a good crisis? Yeah, I'm right there with you. No, me neither. The thing about 2020, though, is it didn't ask. It just presumed that we would all enjoy our lives to be thrown into complete disarray. And uh, I imagine for most of us, we've all been through the ringer in one way or another. The painful silver lining in a crisis, however, is that um, if we're willing to go there, if we're willing to be self-aware and to take the time and to face things down, then these things have the potential and the possibility to actually reveal some deeper things about us that needs attention that we otherwise wouldn't get around to dealing with. It taps into something, something in us that... It's not really dormant because, you know, it's the, it's the stuff that we stuff down but it leaks out anyway. It factors itself into the way we approach life and think and do all sorts of things. But these things kind of bring them to the surface where we're forced to confront them. And this year, I guess, you know, it threw up a number of issues for me when this first hit. Um, what's going to happen to the church? What about the people we employ? What about me? Am I even going to have a job if this continues? And, you know, then was Heather going to have a job? And what about our kids? And, you know, everyone went, went through this, this kind of thing. Um, and it was really tricky for a long time. And then, because I don't like doing things by halves, I got diagnosed with cancer as well. And that really, um, that really threw me. And, you know, in an eerie way, there's this pastor in America that I follow that I quite admire. And three years ago, he went through exactly the same thing that I was going through, exactly the same type of cancer. The the similarities were very, very eerie. And I remember him sharing it with his church and his subsequent talks on that. And he was like, you know, God's got this and I'm going to fight. It's all going to be fantastic. And I wish I could stand here today and say that that was my response, but it wasn't. Um, it got dark for me really quickly and I went under pretty quickly. Now, there, there is a backstory to that that I'm not going to bore you with right now, but it kind of taps into what I'm talking about today. But it got really dark and it got darker systematically over the time that we were going through this. And fortunately, I'm married to um, a wonderful woman whom many of you have met. Um, and, uh, you know, she was just a rock and she encouraged me and she prayed with me every day. And, you know, I did my bit. I would pray every day. I would take communion every day. I would try and find God in the middle of all of this. But, but the thing about that in particular, and I think about crises and trauma and trial and stuff in general is that they're so palpable and so tangible that they seem to be the thing that's right in front of your face that they obscure everything else. You know what I'm talking about? 
So, you know, even though in and of themselves, they may not be like huge things, although I want to be fair to myself and say this was a pretty huge thing. Um, they're not everything. They're not, they're not the sum total of reality. But that's, that's the effect that it has. And it's like if I was to pick up my phone now and say, I'm going to take a photo of this room, you know, from, from, my, from this perspective, I can pretty much get most of this room in. But if I just put my finger in front of the camera lens, guess what I can see? My finger, right? Now, my finger, it's, it's nowhere near as big as this room, is it? And yet, because of its proximity, and, and because of the perspective that I have, like I'm fixed on it, that's all I see, even though there is this much bigger reality around me. And that's what happens with trials and trauma and, 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 and tragedy and difficulty and that if we allow it, and I'm not saying that, that you know, it's necessarily completely a choice because I think these things land on us sometimes, but it, it can actually just be right in our face. And this year we've all been through stuff that's brought up these storms and stuff and they have literally been right up in our grill. Um, stuff that wasn't on our list of things to do this year and we find ourselves in the middle of them. And so what do we do when that sort of stuff happens? Well, if you're anything like me, the first thing you do is pray that it'll go away ASAP. Yeah? God, problem, fix, please, now. Okay? That's what I want. That's what I prayed for. That's what I continue to pray for, particularly in relation to my current situation. I'm just like, God, take it away so I can get back to my normal life. He hasn't done that yet. Now, that'd be great, except for the possibility that... We need to realise that the thing itself is not necessarily the only thing that needs fixing. And if, if God miraculously takes the thing away that's, that's, taking up, that's causing the trauma and the trial and seems to be, in our perspective at least, the biggest problem that we had, if he takes that away, then we may miss the opportunity to do with the other things that are beneath the surface that is continue, are going to continue to be there and will live to fight another day. Now, I don't want to get into this whole thing about, well... What is God's role in all of this? You know, what's he up to when all of this sort of stuff happens? Is, does he cause it? Does he allow it? Is he, is he unable to control it? I mean, it's fair enough to, for us to think about those things. You know, we have a relationship with this God. Exactly who is he? How does he work? All of that sort of stuff. You know, someone said to me, asked me this question when I was diagnosed. Are you angry with God? I said, why would I be angry with God? He didn't give me cancer. Now, believe it or not, there are some people who believe that God does go around dishing this stuff out to teach us something, right? But here's my theology in a nutshell on this. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? He's the exact representation of God, the Bible tells us. What did Jesus do every time he came across sickness? He healed it. Now, either God's a schizo, right? Because you've got God the Father dishing out sickness and Jesus is going around healing it. Or there's a different cause for sickness, okay? All right? There's my theology in a nutshell coming out in my book. Um, God is not a schizo, all right? <laughs> You're going to buy that? Great. Okay, good. There's one buyer already. Watch the Amazon reviews on that one, okay? But am I angry with God? No. No, not at all. You know, we can get into that mindset of trying to work out the whys rather than necessarily looking for the what is going on here. Okay, and let me tell you, looking for the whys, it's very rarely that we get a satisfactory answer. And even if we do get the exact answer, it still doesn't take away the pain sometimes anyway. So rather than focusing on the whys, we should be more focused on the what. So I want to get into that whole where is God in all of this type of stuff. But let's just say for the sake of economy, I don't believe that God wastes anything, right? Whenever we're in a thing, 
we can pretty much guarantee that God is going to be in that thing with us as well. And there's a, we, whether or not there was an intentionally a purpose to it, we can actually forge a purpose out of it, right? We can make something out of this. God is in this thing with us, but he might not always be where we expect him to be or want him to be, but he is in it with us. And I, I just want us to consider the fact that what if God wants to use whatever has happened to us on the surface to do a deeper work in us? What if our long-term freedom is far more important than our immediate relief? What if God is more interested in our wholeness rather than just our healing? Yeah, look, I'm not diminishing or minimising the stuff we go through, right? And this, the, the issue, whatever it happens to be, that needs to be fixed. That needs to be healed and it'd be great if it could. It needs to be sorted. You know, the healing has to occur, the money has to come in, the job needs to appear, the relationship needs to be mended, whatever it happens to be, okay? But what about the things below all of that? all the stuff that this particular issue has stirred up for us. What if God's in the business of transforming us and not simply fixing our circumstances? There's a story in Luke chapter 17, verse 11 to 19. I'm going to read it to you. It's only short. And it says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus travelled along the border between Samaria and Galilee, and as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance... Now, if anyone ever tells you that social distancing isn't in the Bible, they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So again, Jesus is on his way down to Jerusalem. And usually, as as you see, as you read through the Gospels, it's on his way from one place to another that Jesus has a lot of these encounters and most of his ministry occurs. And he comes across these 10 lepers who are outside a village because they can't go in there because they're lepers and they're not allowed to go into that village. And they cry out to him, Heal him, heal me, heal me. So he does. He does, but he doesn't initially. He doesn't actually say, right, you're going to be healed. What he says to them is, go and show yourselves to the priest. All right, because that was the rule. The priest had to verify that you no longer had leprosy and you could rejoin society. And it's on their way, on their way to go and see the priest that they, they are healed. There's another message in that altogether. And Luke says that all 10 were cleansed. The, the word that, that Luke uses there is katharizo. It's the word from which we get our English word catharsis. It means to purge, to cleanse, to clean, to heal. Okay? Um, and he says, um, but only one of them returns to say thank you to Jesus, the Samaritan. And again, there's another message in that. Why is it always the outsiders that come back to say thank you? And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. But here Jesus, um, Luke uses a different word. The word there is sozo, from which we get our word salvation, saved. Now, we don't want to make the mistake of going, ah, he became a Christian. We don't want to read that back into what's going here because that kind of misses the point. The word sozo actually more precisely means wholeness, which is what salvation is actually about. It's not just this transactional thing we have where we we make this commitment to Jesus and accept his sacrifice on our behalf so that when we die we can go to heaven. Salvation is about our complete restoration. Just as God is in the business of restoring all creation, we are part of the creation that he is restoring. And it is about our wholeness. 
Not just about, about, you know, bluffing our way through life until we go to be with him in the sweet by and by. It's about actually us being restored to our original state of, of the, the type of human being that he created us to be, most beautifully seen in Jesus, right? But that's what, he's, that's what he's doing in us. He is restoring us. He is healing us. He is transforming us. And so to, all these other guys, they go away and they are cleansed. They are purged. They are catharizo. But one comes back and he gives thanks and Jesus says, your faith has actually made you whole. Now, we don't know what the underlying issue there was, but, but you know, the gratitude and the recognition that this wonderful thing had been, did something in this particular guy. And what I want us to see is there's a difference between being healed and made whole. There's a difference between having our immediate problem solved and our deeper selves transformed. You know what I mean? But most of us, most of us, right, when we're going through a tough time, and this is completely understandable because I'm there, we just want the thing itself dealt with. And we're not overly interested in dealing with the things that the thing is actually stirring up. I'm a pastor, right, if you didn't know that. I'm a pastor, and so by definition, I have it all together, okay? I have um, framed pieces of paper on my wall that testify to the fact that I've nailed this, all right? So it's, it's all done. I've got nowhere to go with this. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but I can tell you what. It's not just this thing that I've been through. It's been a range of things over my life that have always been telling me the same thing, and that is I can say all the right things. I actually believe the right things, and I genuinely believe them. I genuinely believe them, and I can sing them. But my operational beliefs are somewhat different. That My operating system is not necessarily what I say out loud or what I actually believe for you. So, for example, if you came to me and said... Um, I've got this disease, you know, the first thing, I would pray for you because I believe God could heal you. But if someone says to me, can I pray for you? I'm like, I don't believe God will heal me. See, what happened when this happened for me was it opened up a whole Pandora's box of issues for me. A whole bunch of stuff that has been around for a very long time. Stuff that I have tried to outrun, stuff that I have tried to distract myself from, stuff that I've done, you know, what most of us do, and stuff it deep down inside so we never have to deal with it. It's been stuff about me. It's about stuff about the things I've never dealt with as I've gone through life. It's stuff about God. It's stuff about the way I see God and how I think God sees me. And it's all converged and connected in all sorts of ways. And it's hard and it's painful and it's outright awful at times. But I can honestly stand here today and tell you, I wouldn't swap it for the world because it's bringing up stuff that I want to be free from so I can live the rest of my life more fully restored and transformed. And it's a horrible process. And it's three steps forward and two steps back a lot of the time. But again, I'm not lying to you. I wouldn't swap it for the world because it's been affecting the way I live. And for however long I've got to live, I don't want it to affect me any longer. So I'm taking it with both hands. And it's been really hard. And I'm pretty sure I'm not alone in that. But most of us get hung up about the thing itself and we pay no attention to the thing below the surface. You know, Socrates said, an unexamined life is not a life worth living. Now, I think he should have taken his own advice and examined his behaviour that led to him getting arrested and executed, but that's another story. Most of us work hard at constructing a life that prevents us from having to do just that, examine our lives and what's going on inside us. We busy ourselves, we distract ourselves, we try and keep ahead of all stuff, and 2020 has blessed us with an enormous amount of things uh, to keep us um, occupied. 
So why do you think mental health has become such a huge issue during this lockdown? Well, yeah, there's the stuff on the surface, right? There's the thing itself. But the truth is most of us have never been alone with our thoughts long enough. Most of us have never been put into a situation where all our usual distractions and busyness have kept us from having to think about things we don't want to think about. That's why a lot of this stuff has come to the surface for people. We're so focused on keeping our lives on track that the only thing we care about is getting our lives back on track. I mean, how many times have we heard, when are we going to get back to normal? When are we going to get back to normal? When are we going to get back to normal? Well, it may be a while yet. So it behoves us to make peace with the way things are at the moment. We hate pain. We hate discomfort. We hate uncertainty. We're in such a hurry to get past the thing, past all of that, that we often fail to make the most of it and pay attention to the things that need attention that are coming up in this moment in time. Opportunities for us to be made whole and not simply have our circumstances changed. We want to keep going to avoid things. And as I say, we try and outrun them. We try and distract ourselves from them. We try and numb ourselves. And again, in 21st century Australia, there are plenty of opportunities to do that. But like they say, wherever you go, there you are. You can't outrun yourself. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? And then we wonder why God isn't getting with the program, right? You know, I'm, I've got this problem, God. I'm praying. I want you to take it away. I want this to be solved. I want to be healed. I want this over. And uh, I want it back, you know, yesterday. And we wonder where he's gone because we've got our eyes fixed on this thing, waiting for it to change. And we don't notice that he is in it. He is working. He's just not working on the thing we expect him to work on and want him to work on straight away. But he's in it because he's working on the thing beneath the thing. And sometimes a lot of our disappointment with God about where is he, why isn't it working, has everything to do with our expectations and nothing to do with the fact that God has dropped the ball. He hasn't. It's just we expect to find him doing there because that's what we're asking him to do. And he's gently nudging us saying, yeah, we will deal with that. But right now, how about we have a look at everything that's come up as a result of that thing? Because I actually love you so much, I would rather see you healed and whole and transformed through this and not simply solve this problem until another day when something else comes up and we're back here at square one again. It's a difference between healing and wholeness. Sometimes our struggle and disappointment has everything to do with our expectations. We want him to fix a thing, but God is more interested in getting to the thing beneath the thing. So I want to ask you a question as I finish, you know. What has this year stirred up for you? Whatever it is that you faced, whatever setback that you faced, whatever trial, whatever trauma, whatever tragedy, whatever it might have been, what has is, what is that kicked up for you? What has that tapped into you? What has started to come to the surface for you? You know, I remember hearing um, one of the guys at church here, Brad, did a, an offering talk and a really high-tech one with a piece of paper and he just had... He just had He'd lost his job and he was talking about, this is, tells me about where your security comes from, you know, and he was, was it, you know, was it your job, was it your investments, was it, you know, the government, and he's just putting a line through all of these things and I thought, it was just a really simple way of going, this gets to the crux of the issue, doesn't it, you know. The issue isn't just that I don't have a job, the issue is where does my, where is my sense of security? Who do I believe is my provider in all of this? And, and that's just an example of what's going on for people in all of this. You know, the stuff that presents on the surface will tap into this other stuff underneath that we need to look at because that's the thing that needs transformation. That's the thing that needs healing. So what has 2020 thrown up for you? What are the issues, the questions, the doubts, the fears that are surfaced? And what are you doing with that? Where are you going with that stuff? 
You're still crying out for God to like to fix the thing, take the thing away from me, God. Get my life back on track just so I can get on with things and I don't have to face up to that. Or you, you're going to be brave enough to absorb the pain and the difficulty and the discomfort of going, okay, well then let's, let's have a look at that stuff and see if that can't be brought to the surface and healed as well. We're going to have some communion now. So I'm going to get the team to come back up. And I think it's a beautiful way to end this because Jesus invites us to this meal that he sets for us. This is Jesus' table. And he invites us to his table to find in him the thing that only he can bring us, which is healing and wholeness and transformation. So I want you to to go there this morning and, and to take your time. We've got a safe way of handling this stuff this morning. Take communion and take a few moments to just do business with God and say, God, here's some stuff that I think you're putting your finger on in me. I don't really want to go there, but it seems like we're going there. So can you bring wholeness and healing to me? Help me navigate this in the strength that you provide. Amen? Amen.